right, all right, everybody. Wake up, put the coffee on. Let's get it going. It is Smack Talk here on a Friday night on the Sports Kitty Wrestling YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere, baby. We appreciate everybody joining us. Ozzy and Lisa and Ozzy again and Safet and Ozzy again and Steven and Daniel and everybody who's in the chat. We appreciate you guys so much for joining us here after uh, three hours with a half hour break mixed in there. Dutch, give you a nice little time to kind of reset. Maybe get well, a little dinner here with the 6.30 Rampage start there. Yeah. I watched it this time because you guys had the foresight and the courtesy to tell me, like, at least 5.30 or 6, hey, the show's coming on. So I paid attention, and I watched it, and I'm thinking, why in the hell did I listen to them? I like it better when I just missed it. The show was <laughs> solid. The show, the, the show was solid. I won't, I won't say that. But is it, and they were promoting the pay-per-view Sunday. I got that. Yep. But the only one match surprised me, and that's with the the Statlander match and Soho. Yeah. But I like that. That was was good. And the first match was very good. It was a clinic. Yeah. There was was, great wrestling on Rampage. Uh, A lot of interesting reactions uh, on Rampage, especially towards that main event there, Sid. Why don't we start with Rampage tonight? Because I am going to stall uh, as much as possible before we get into talking about uh, about SmackDown. Uh, a lot of newsworthy, noteworthy stuff to come out of Rampage, Sid, including two more matches added to Double or Nothing this weekend for a grand total, if my UC math is correct, of 13 for the pay-per-view this weekend, one on the buy-in, 12 on the main card. The main card getting underway at about 8 o'clock. Uh, this thing's going well past midnight. So they add Sammy Frankie and Ty against Ethan Scorpio and Paige Van Sant. On top of Scorpio getting a new TNT championship, which I know you're pretty damn happy about since it's Laker purple and gold. No, because I called this the night <laughs> Scorpio Sky won the TNT title the first time. I said, give me my purple and gold TNT championship. So, And he called it Genie, naming it after Genie Bus, the owner of the Lakers from the Great Bus family. Great stuff there. But Did you, did you see the, cl- the, the clasp in the back? Did you see the up-close picture of that? Because there is a there's an eight twenty four engraved on the uh, clasp on the back of the championship. I thought you'd appreciate that if you didn't see that. that. That's just great. That's just okay. What is wonderful. the what is the significance of eight twenty four? Kobe eight and twenty four is the numbers of Kobe Bryant. Twenty four. He was he spent half of his career with the number eight and spent yeah, okay. the other half of his career with twenty four. Well, that's how far I'm out of the loop on basketball, but it makes, <laughs> it, but it, but it makes sense. I, I got it now. Okay, Kobe. Uh, anyway. Lead, lead off with your rampage stuff. Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised that they added both of these matches. I yeah. expected the Kyle Rally and Darby Allen. You know, it wasn't much of a build to that, but that makes a whole world of sense with Kyle Rally taking out Sting, Darby's father. Uh, and you know, so close to Father's Day, Darby Allen wants to get revenge. And Darby Allen hasn't has not been left off a AEW pay per view card since Full Gear 2019. Wow. So, gone two straight years of being on AEW pay-per-view so it only makes sense to get him on the card and him and Kyle O'Reilly is going to be an absolute banger and get anywhere between five to ten minutes and I think it's going to be very entertaining and 
but the the whole mixed trios match i thought that this would have been a perfect main event for the the form the los angeles show the dynamite following uh double or nothing i thought it would have been perfect there you know you have scorpio come out with the new purple and gold tnt championship have him in the main event page van sant's debut on an episode of dynamite so you get women in the main event as well that would have made more sense to me just throwing it on the double or nothing card it makes me believe that multiple matches are going to be five minutes or less because if you have a 12 match main card i think that this is just tony kind of thinking about the game seven right now miami is up at halftime on the boston celtics i am i've never done this in my life but i'm praying for the celtics to come back (laughs) so we don't have a game seven and tony rethinks this card and this format and he puts darby and calorelli on the buy-in like i said i think it's gonna be a a really good match but it would be a really good match for free for the fans to get some last minute buys they see a banger at the end of the buy-in and they'll get more buys late last minute for people who want to see the pay-per-view so I think that that's the format change that I would do. But I think all the matches on the card are going to be entertaining. But like Dutch said before we went live here, it's kind of a commitment with a 13-match card. It's, it's kind of intimidating for most wrestling fans. It, it starts at what time? So 7 say. o'clock is the buy-in. And right now there's one match on the buy-in, which would put 12 matches for the main card, which starts at 8 o'clock. Now – Kind of alluding to what Sid said, or adding. So if it's after twelve, that's a five-hour broadcast. Uh, It could. It could be. To be honest, you don't need to watch like. 30 to 45 minutes of the buy-in because all it is is the countdown show that I think is going on and that's going to come on after this NBA game. So if you watch the countdown show tonight after after we're done here, you don't need to watch the first 45 minutes of the buy-in, especially if it's only one match. That one match is going to come on at like 740, 745, and you can miss like the first half of the buy-in. So it's going to be at the very least a four hour and 15 minute card from the buy-in match to the end of the pay-per-view more than like i'm gonna say it again anything over three hours for me forget it even even nfl football games when they go long i say please get it over with you know like the last minute it takes them a half hour to get the last minute in with the timeouts and this and the faking injuries and Come on, guys, let's, let's get the game over so we can say who won and bitch and moan and go on with being football fans. But if, you just, if, you, but if you're watching wrestling and, and it's a four-hour show, I don't care how good it is at the end, it's still dragging because yeah. you've seen it. And we, yes, we've seen it. Uh, I mean, WrestleMania 35 was case in point. That show went till about 12.30, 12.45 in the morning, and it started at about – uh, seven o'clock at night. And again, that was like a 14 or 15 match card. So that's what they're looking at here. But I, I do. And Sid brought this up. I do get where Tony is, is setting up some contingencies here because he has said he does not, if there is a game seven between Boston and Miami on Sunday night, he does not want that game to be going on the same time that hangman adam page and CM punk are in the main event. And if he has to drag it on and stretch it, until that game is over if it goes into four overtimes he says that he's gonna do it and he's got plans to set that up so this does kind of give him some options my question is is it necessary to do that is he making too much out of a game seven for the eastern conference finals 
No, that's a big draw. That's a big draw. It's two big market teams in the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Who who is it? Celtics and Miami? Yeah, Yeah, Boston and Miami. Those are two big. They've had a great series. And I don't really follow basketball, but they've had a great series. Those are are two big markets. I watched one game when the the Celtics were on the verge of blowing them out. Then Miami come back and made it close, but they still didn't win. But didn't the Celtics get beat the other night like 20 points? No, Miami did. Miami oh, got, Miami, got, I'm sorry. Yeah, got like, smashed. The playoffs have been weird. Like, there have been, like, close series, but there hasn't been close games. Like, most of the games have been blowouts, even though the series have been, you know, 4-3, 4-2. It's been, it's been really weird. Right now, Miami's up three with uh, 721 to go. So, uh, hopefully, if uh, – uh, Who do we want to – who do we want to win there? Yeah, in Boston. Tonight we want Boston to win yeah. so, because I'm in the okay, UK, right. ladies and gentlemen. I'll, 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 do my, I'll do my Dutch touch, and they can that win. Yeah, if Boston wins, there's no game seven on on Sunday. Tony Khan can move a match or two uh, onto the buy-in with Hookhausen versus Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling, and uh, we can have some of these matches that are only going to be a, a few minutes long. Uh, you know, Daniel saying, look, that Jade match is probably going to be pretty quick with her and Anna Jay. Uh, so that's probably going to be, what, five minutes, maybe max uh, for that match. And, yeah, there, there might be some quick ones. But if there's a game seven going on, it's going to be a lot of long ones until Tony can guarantee that that game is O-V-E-R. And hopefully it's a damn blowout uh, on Sunday. And, you know, we don't have to worry about all that. Okay, but- so th- wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys got me all discombobulated. So if the game is Sunday – Yes. He's going to extend the matches so the last match is going to run past the game. Yes. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes. 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 He wants to fill time up to make sure that there is nothing what competing if it goes against into, his What if it match. goes into like 10 overtimes and they don't get started to like He says he's got plans. Two. He says he's got plans to do it all. He's, he, they'll fill it. They'll figure it out. They'll run – they could run CM Punk out there to just talk for an hour. They'll figure something out before. Uh... Here's my next question. Yes. Tony Khan did, uh, I don't know, public service announcement tonight about what it Asian people or what? What was that? The Asian Pacific uh, Appreciation Month. Month. Yeah. Oh, and when is that? The month of May. <laughs> okay. That's been going on. I, all I was month. sitting there going, what the hell? I guess we're just going to damn celebrate everybody, I guess. Except me. Except me and wrestling. They're not going to celebrate that crap. Anyway. We, we celebrate you every Friday, Dutch. No, no you do not. I do. <laughs> oh, you do? I'm, well, see, but Rick my, my doesn't. Whole, my, whole, my whole Twitter name is based on you. <laughs> like, I celebrate but you Rick, every day. But Rick doesn't. Oh, anyway. No All comment. Right. Uh, not a lot of celebrating going on in the main event of Rampage tonight. Uh, which might have been a shock to some people anyway. Ruby Soho, big baby face. A lot of this Owen Hart tournament has been built around Dr. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, and Ruby Soho. So you had to have a feeling that two out of those four were going to meet in the finals. That's what we got. Crowd was not happy about this at all. They wanted Chris Statlander to win in a big way, and they booed Ruby Soho as she tried to cut a promo on Dr. Britt Baker tonight. That was uh, a very interesting reaction there, Doug. But actually, good booking, because now that extends Statlander. That extends Soho. That extends all of them. 
because if you give them, and it surprised me too. I said, oh, well, you know, this is a, almost a no-brainer. And when she came up and she won it, I said, well, I didn't oppose it. I kind of liked it because that Statlander girl, she's a big girl. What does she weigh, you think? 160 at least? Gotta I be. have learned never to guess something like oh, that. Oh, I right? don't give a crap. She's a damn, <laughs> she weighs 160 pounds if she weighs a, an ounce. And little that little Soho girl, she, she might tip it at 125 maybe, I would think. But anyway, the one that I didn't think would win won. But if you really think about it, now Statlander has something to go for. And all the other girls, they got something to go for now. And if they boot her tonight, if she just turns a little bit heel, she might have a ton of heat. Uh, I saw some people suggesting they should try to pull a double switch on Sunday and turn Ruby Soho heel and have Dr. Britt Baker finally make uh, a face turn, which I think a lot of people uh, uh, have been hoping would come uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Sid, your reaction to what uh, happened tonight? I thought it was a really good matchup. These two have worked really well with each other in the TBS title tournament. And then this match was uh, a great way to end off the show. I thought it was a really good main event. Uh, Soho getting the win did not surprise me. I've called this from the beginning. And anyone who's mad at that, I don't understand why. Because Chris Statlander wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament. Uh, I think Chris Statlander did an absolutely fantastic job with her pre-match promo. And I think that anyone who was kind of in the middle kind of sided with Chris Statlander because she was the better of the two on the pre-main event promo. Like Soho cut a good promo, but uh, Chris Statlander's promo was even better. So I can understand if you sided with her that way. But for Soho to get that type of response, and it really seemed like social media, a lot of people were flip-flopping. The same people that were upset in like February and March, oh, Ruby Soho. Oh, she came to do, she came to AEW and she's not been on television. And then they do a whole tournament to revitalize her, re-energize her whole character, and to build her back up. And she go she's going to the finals. Now you're like, oh, Chris Statlander should have won. Man, shut up. Then well, like, allow me to quote Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan, and I said Daniel Bryan, fickle, fickle. Yes. All yes. right, that's what yes. that's what fans are. They live in the moment and they don't remember what they asked for most of the time from several exactly. months ago. Hey, I think Ruby Soho gave Tony Khan a present tonight. She gave him a gift. Now, when you see how they reacted, now he has organically something to go on and let him take and run with that because now he can, he might be able to feed it a little bit. And honestly, they had a great match and the finish surprised me, but uh, I was glad with the finish. I liked the finish. And this works with what I wanted out of the pay-per-view. I think Ruby Soho should win on Sunday. And I think Ruby Soho should be the next pay-per-view challenger for Thunder Rosa. And that works out perfectly with her, uh, you know, build it up for the next couple of months. Do a slow burn where she's not she's not getting the reaction. She's getting booed. She'll do, like, subtle things in her matches that lean towards heel. And then eventually turn her heel right before she versus Thunder Rosa at All Out one year after she made her aew debut against where the is, woman where is all out where is it being held at in in chicago allegedly that, that worked yeah 
I mean, Tony Khan pretty much said it on the media call, honestly. So uh, I'll just say it's just in saying, Chicago. There are other cities out there that you could put pay per views in, but I guess tradition is. Tradition. No, he loves Chicago. As, as Romeo on Drew Hill, he says Chicago gets everything. So they're going to do two back to back pay per views in Chicago. It is what it is. Just live yeah. with it. Get over it. <laughs> so I mean, it's only a five hour drive. So I guess I can live with it. You know, that's fine. I don't have to fly, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Ruby should win on Sunday. I still have have this feeling that dr Britt baker is going to win because i will you know i just can't until i see ruby soho win something of substance i'm not going to believe it's actually going to happen uh because it just hasn't happened for her yet so i i think they're going to do Britt baker on sunday but yeah i would love to see ruby soho go up against thunder rosa and then that opens up chris statlander to go against jade cargill for the the tbs title i think that might be a good route to go there so they have options and yes Tony Khan got a gift tonight because he knows he now if he if he had any doubts before he knows he has something to Chris Statlander now the fans are behind her and she's damn good and they set up a good story with her and Ruby Soho because now Ruby Soho is 2-0 and against her so you can do a third match and it's like Ruby has her number can Chris Statlander finally beat her you can go back to it I think the girls right now the girls division in AEW that's easier to read than the guys smaller you know i i think that has a lot to do with it there's a the the, the guys division is so stacked you know that's yeah, what i'm of, saying that a lot of so those guys get lost less is less is more that's by the I'm way Dut, your your dutch touch ain't worth shit miami's extended their lead up to 12 right now <laughs> all right that's it that's it i'm gonna tell Riju. i said i stayed on the show because they started started you know insulting me and i got hey they might come back they might come back Who no knows? they will they will Believe make sure how much, your, uh, how much time is left uh that's a good question i didn't look at that i looked at the score it's 70 to 58 with 530 left in the third so they got a whole another quarter oh they got they got another game to play that don't mean nothing believe me whole i'll tell you quarter. i'll tell you a match i didn't like tonight on on uh rampage yes Dante Martin was off tonight, or that guy he was working with was off. Because there were some kind of some I, sloppy moves in there. I was in and out of this match, uh, guys, because I was trying to get, get get the kids down. Sid, what, what your assessment? Do you agree with that one on uh, Dante Martin and uh, Max Caster tonight? Yeah, I would say this that was definitely the weakest match of the night. Something just seemed off, or it was the fact that the main event was so good and the opener, uh, you know, Dust said it uh, at the beginning, the opener was a clinic with yep. Matt Seidel yeah, and, and Brian Danielson. So I think, yeah, it, they suffered from everything else on the show and the reason that I left off the other match because the other match might have had the greatest parody in professional wrestling history. No, I'm not talking about the Young Bucks playing the Hardys. No, I'm not talking about the AEW debut of Gangrel. I am talking about Brandon Cutler as Lita with the thong. That was the greatest parody in professional wrestling history. Look, everything about this this whole cosplay, it gets it just kept getting better and better and better and better. And you think it would have capped off with uh, with Gangrel, and then no, here comes freaking Brandon Cutler dressed to the nine as Lita, and I'm just sitting here, I, I couldn't even pay attention to the damn match. And you got wh- whichever one was was it uh, Matt that was dressed up as Matt, right? I think it was Matt. Jackson. Matt was that, and Matt was like he was Matt. Yeah, and they came out with the Matt facts. <laughs> <laughs> they did the Matt facts, and he's sitting there like pretending like his back hurts as he's trying to do moves and stuff. This was. 
this was just comedy wrestling at its finest. And you could tell, you could tell that Matt and Nick Jackson have done that Hardy Boys entrance in their rooms and in college dorms and on road trips and everywhere they went. They had it down to a T tonight, and they got everybody with the music. I mean, they were, that, all of that was very good. That was the best part of the night. Uh, as far as entertainment value, that was the best part of the night, hands down, was what uh, the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler and, yeah, Gangrel being out there for whatever reason. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to say. Why was Gangrel there? Did they, they just brought him out? Because they, um, the Hardys were a part of the new brood with Gangrel back in 1999. So like they defense. did they yeah. did a full parody of them. They gave us different generations of the Hardys in one parody. They gave us the Hardys with Gangrel and the new brood. They gave us the Hardys with Lita, with Brandon Cutler. They gave us the Mattitude with the Matt Facts. He, he was doing the delete. He yep. even did the... Matt Jackson even did the Matt Hardy fall out of the ring spot and he did yeah. it like it was an accident. That was the best, the best part of the whole thing for me. And then Nick Jackson as, as uh, Jeff Hardy, he did the Swanton better than Jeff Hardy does he it did. nowadays, he did. but he even did the Jeff Hardy lay on top of them that Jeff yeah. Hardy does now after the Swanton. It was <laughs> They did their homework. They did Fantastic. their homework. They understood the assignment. They nailed it to a T. Steven asking who wins between the Hardys and the Bucks uh, on uh, on Sunday there, SP3. Who you pick? I, I keep flip-flopping back and forth on this one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I'm going to go with the, the Hardys because it just makes sense to keep the Hardys hot and undefeated because you if you have the Hardys, you eventually want to do an AEW World Tag Team title match with the Hardys, so I think it makes sense for them to win, but I think this is just the first match of what will be a series between the two in AEW. I think these two I'll, will I'll go with the, with the uh, Nick and Matt. I think these guys are going to wrestle at some point with the AEW tag team titles on the line, maybe after the Hardys win them, and then the Bucks can defeat the Hardys and become the first ever two-time AEW tag team champions uh, when they do it. Uh, so, again, I keep flip-flopping, but right now, after what we saw tonight, I think that was great, but I think the Hardys are, uh, are going to uh, get the win. So that was uh, Rampage in the books. I have stalled long enough. Let's hop on over to SmackDown, uh, shall we, tonight? Dutch, your reaction. Oh, God. Dutch. Dutch I, need some, I need some heroin or something. <laughs> I mean, somebody got to get me out after seeing that. Brother, <laughs> you know, I have, and I've told you, I told you this before we went on live here, mm -hmm. that I have been like a little bit of nice with SmackDown. I don't know who wrote this show. Talk about heroin. I think they all smoked a couple of bogs before they would sit down and write this show. Because it just didn't, it didn't, none of it clicked for me. None of it. I mean, the, i tell you how much it clicked. Was Shanky doing the, doing the dance was the high spot of the night yeah, that, people, I, I, that I thought. People were asking why Sid was dancing at the uh, beginning of the show. It's because that's all we saw on SmackDown tonight. Like, I, I, I don't know that that Shanky and Jinder and Los Lotharios match. First off, I don't know who the hell we were supposed to root for in this. I guess I guess Shanky. But, like, Jinder Mahal can't find Shanky with a search warrant. And then he finds him, like, busting a move to his yeah. theme song. Like, he, like, that's the only thing that Shanky would be listening to. 
And then when they actually have the damn match, it's mostly centered around Los Lotharios dancing around the ring announcer and then Shanky dancing that cost Ginger the match. Like, the bull crap on the outside was more important than what was happening on the inside. Let me correct you. You meant the sky scraping uh, Shanky. Yes. I did write that the down. Sky the sky scraping Shanky. <laughs> And God yes, I saw I saw people in the in the chat saying I was charming a snake or I was uh, I was <laughs> drunk or something. No, that was what Shanky was doing. I was, he was busting a move to to I will admit it is a Bobski. Jinder Mohal's theme is great, so I understand if he wanted to dance to it. I just didn't understand why he was dancing in a room by himself. I mean, that's typically when I dance is in. A oh, room they do they do that in India. You just go by a room, somebody just dancing in their body. I saw it a lot, you know, when I was over there, really. And by the way, that wasn't... Here's, here's, here's another thing. Yeah. They all go out to challenge Raquel, right? And then they end up, they go to break, and they come back, and they're at a tag match. Yeah. I don't get, all... to, I don't get that. Where'd you go, Sid? I don't know. Did he freeze? Oh, there he is. Okay. No, there he is. Somebody hit him in the head or something. All right. Well, I guess we're gonna bounce. I guess we're gonna bounce, I guess we're gonna bounce around here because this was a little. Um, when they announced that uh, the only women's match on the show tonight was gonna be Ronda versus Raquel, I'm sitting here and I'm going, "Oh boy, they don't have anything else without Nothing. Sasha, without Naomi. They don't have anything else that they could go to." So I was I was pleasantly surprised when they cut to the back and literally there's the rest of the SmackDown women's roster in the locker room in all their glory. Four and of it, them. And it's shot five of them. And it's Shotzi who is like trying to rile the troops saying, why is Raquel getting this shot? She already lost. Everybody kind of blows her off except for Shayna and Natalia. So they're all going to go down there and they're going to, you know, yes, go after Raquel and go after uh, go after Ronda. And then Shotzi gets locked in the locker room after she goes back for her helmet, and it's Aaliyah who locked her in there. So that was the revenge for what happened between those two two weeks ago. So then, yes, that left Natty and Shayna alone to interrupt the match between Ronda and Raquel. They attacked them both, and that's how we got into the tag team match because it was going to be three on two, and then Shotzi got locked in the women's locker room. So are you are you up to speed on, on how this all went down now? Uh, it's about as boring the way you described it as it was on TV. I'm going, God, I'm cussing you guys at this point. I'm saying that damn Rick and that damn Sid. I don't write this crap. I didn't book this. I didn't. Did the, I, wait a minute. Sid did, did, did I, who booked this shit? Did I accuse me. him of booking it? <laughs> I accuse him of being part of the conspiracy to get me to watch SmackDown. <laughs> and I think you had a large part to do with that, Rick. I don't know, but I, you may not. I, I mean, no, I but it was just uh, it was it started slow and got slower, if that's possible. Sid, this is this is something that we talked about with another match, right? In in, in another company, uh, on, on our channel, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa and Serena. What Deeb. what channel is that? I'm not allowed to say. Uh, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. You're right. not allowed to say, really? I, I'm Let it go. I'm not allowed. No, uh, I'm going to burn it up now. Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb, they decided. I need to know. Where? Where? Are you somewhere else? I can't say. Uh, so, Thunder Rosa you're, and Serena. So, you're, sen you're censored. 
I am just doing what I am paid to do. So Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb, they decide to build this matchup toward a double or nothing without really harping on the history between the two of them, right? They decide to go this this convoluted route and decide to go another way other than just playing off the history and that they work with one another. That's all WWE had to do here to set something up with with Shayna and Natalia and and Ronda. And it was barely mentioned, like barely mentioned on commentary tonight. And once we got like this, just that brief little stare down between Shayna and Ronda tonight, we got Michael Cole who said something about the history between the two of them. I'm like, okay, so they know it's there. Why didn't we just start there and and go from there? And if this is the direction they're going, why the hell did Shayna get beat with the, what does she call it now, the Tejada bomb? Shayna Baszler eats the pin again after get like this the booking again doesn't make the sense doesn't make any sense here. What I what I got from the booking here is that Natalia is most likely going to get the shot before Shayna, but they were very they they carefully crafted this match where Ronda and Shayna never got physical and the point of the match where the fans were most invested or made the most reaction was when Ronda and Shayna went face to face. So hopefully WWE listens to their fans and realize that's the match they should go with with Ronda Rousey, but it did not seem like that i didn't understand the fact that they made it raquel versus ronda like they did such a great job with that match two three weeks ago that they should have just left it there heat raquel up before you go back to that match but no they just was like hey we're gonna put that out there we're gonna do the backstage segment with shotzi rallying up the troops and have them interfere to create a tag team match it was just a very convoluted way to get to a match that that could have been the announced match to begin with. I don't yep. understand why it wasn't, but here we are. But yes, I do agree. They probably should have mentioned the history between Ronda and Shayna beforehand and the history between Ronda and Natalia as well. But this is WWE and you just got to take what you will. The match itself was at least decent. Yeah, and it's all right. It's fine. Raquel got the win. I don't understand Shayna taking the loss, but Raquel got the win. The only reason I understand Shayna taking the loss is it's Natalia's birthday. I'll tell you something I'm looking forward to seeing is Shotzi versus Aaliyah. Oh, man. I can't wait to see that. Well, they're building towards it. We might get it it on the go-home show. Hell, we might get it at Hell in a Cell at this point. uh, Hell Hell in a Cell is the opposite of Double or Nothing. We got four matches on this card and none of them from the SmackDown side of things. None. This might as well be a raw only branded pay-per-view this coming Sunday, next Sunday, excuse me, next Sunday for hell in a cell. Well, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't get the whole show. Well, I do. Oh, I did. I did like Walter. I did like his stuff. Cause there's a guy you can get over if they don't go off the rails with him. Even that was a little weird tonight because they gave, I mean, this was more of a showcase for Ludwig tonight. Like actually like putting him in the ring and I didn't understand that either. Showcasing him more as a, as a wrestler than just a, uh, you know, a mouthpiece for, for Gunther. So yeah, even that was a little bit weird. Ricochet might as well not even have been there. He was barely in in the match. This was once again, this, this was just Imperium beating the hell out of, uh, you know, Drew Gulag again. So I mean, yeah, the presentation's great, but I mean, 
really nothing was advanced here. I was kind of hoping they would advance something a little bit more with Ricochet and set up an intercontinental title match, but maybe that's what we're going to get set up for next week. I don't know. They got plenty they need to add for Hell in a Cell to make it, you know, honestly worth tuning into this because right now there's like two matches that are worth a damn on this whole freaking card that we haven't seen already. If, if you compared the Rampage card and the WWE card, which one would be better? What do you mean specifically? You, do you mean the pay-per-views? Oh, the 13 matches that you've been oh. talking about uh, versus the card of uh, Raw and SmackDown coming up at Hell in a Cell. I mean, there's at least seven or eight matches on Double or Nothing that I am genuinely excited to watch. So, yeah, it would it would be that. Um, I mean, the only thing that, so that WWE saying, has... Go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, I was going to say, that. really, the only thing the WWE has going their way is it's only going to cost me $9.99 to watch Hell in a Cell, whereas it's going to cost me $49.99 to watch Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. So what, what Tony Khan is... And you, people can knock him all they want. But here's a guy that never did booking before. And all of a sudden, he's booking this show. And you're saying out of the 13 matches, you have eight that you're extremely interested in. At least. And the whole That's creative the team on WWE, how many matches they got? Eight? And you might even you might care about one or two. Right now, they got four matches on Hell in a Cell. There's two that I'm invested in. I'm invested in none of them. I was going to say, hang on. What, what, what is the, I kind of forgot what the fourth match was already at this point. Dementia. Which, which shows how, you how truly that, invested That's how it in. starts. That's how it starts, Sid. Oh, my memory is absolute crap anyway. Yeah, so let's see. Let's look at all the entire Hell in a Cell card. Obviously, it's main evented by Cody Rhodes uh, and Seth Rollins for the third time, this time inside Hell in a Cell. Raw Women's Championship triple threat match. And then we got Bobby Lashley versus Omos and MVP in a handicap match and Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. So there we go. Which one you which two do you like? Uh Cody and Seth, because it's going to be good. And then the Raw Women's Championship triple threat match. Those are the two that I'm so, I'm so you're not interested in Kevin Owens and what's your here's name? The Ezekiel. Thing. And here's the thing, and Sid and I kind of agree on this. The build has been great. The two of those guys work very, very well together. This Kevin Owens is so great on the microphone that he's really made this Ezekiel thing work. And the the promos and the packages that they've been putting out on social media of Ezekiel talking about, you know, the good old days with his brother and all of their experiences and how they grew up as wrestling fans. Those have been really good. And I am stunned that they actually haven't been putting those on freaking television when they should be. The build to this match has been great. I just don't know if the actual in-ring is going to live up to it because Ezekiel, Elias, whatever you want to call him, his matches are just there. They, they're just not, like, spectacular. They don't. They never blow me away. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this might be different, but he's, he's, he's okay. He's great outside the ring, but he's okay inside of it. So I don't know how much I'm really looking forward to the match itself, if that makes any sense. And Sami Zayn tonight, he did kind of carry that show. That was the best thing of the on SmackDown. Yeah, he was, I thought, he, was Kevin he, he Owens' was show. Then he went to talk to him and trying to make the deal, and he doesn't have the deal. And you kind of so, felt bad for Sami Zayn tonight, just a little bit. It's like, just turn this poor man baby face. Let's go. We all want to root for Sami Zayn. What are we doing? Maybe that's what they're going for here with this. Is like one well, day they got to be because Sami Zayn, he's now the. 
He's now the honorary Oos. And by the way, when he called Kevin Owens Oos tonight, I lost my shit. Like that was how hilarious. subtle, how subtle he dropped it in. He was like, "Right now, it's not a good time for me, Oos." Did you call me Oos? He, you could tell he practiced that. You could tell he had practiced that. It was so smooth. It was so perfect. Everything was great. Um, with that, that whole exchange, hell, even a very underrated part of that was when Sami Zayn opened it up by saying that he agreed with Kevin Owens that Ezekiel and Elias were the same person, and Kevin yeah. Owens just got overly emotional and hugged him. Like, thank God. I'm not insane. I'm not the only one. I have somebody out there. And Sam is like, are you crying? Like, what? what's going on? Like, everything that those two did worked. And then, it obviously, it, it fell apart. And Kevin's throwing his digs in there. So it was great for Sammy to get a little bit of vindication at the end of the night when, you know, he meets up with the Usos. And they're like, yeah, sure. Honorary Us. Sounds good. See you later. We're going back into our locker room. My hope is that the end game with this is he's going to overhear Roman Reigns and the Usos and Paul Heyman talking shit about him and downplaying him and this, that, and the other thing. And that's going to be the baby face turn for Sami Zayn. That has got to be the end game on this. Has to be. Well, it don't have to be. It should be. Believe me. Well, okay. Then there you go. It should be. But it doesn't have to be. They could go that way and tear it all down and leave him like he is. But he he played a that was actually a good exchange between them tonight. Interesting. Sid, your reaction. That was the most entertaining segment of the night. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they just work together. And yeah, like Dutch said, there's a couple of different ways they can go about this. What's the most likely way they're gonna go about this? Sami Zayn is gonna be the job guy for the bloodline for a few months, and then yep. they eventually will move on and he's still a heel, still being the locker room leader and the conspiracy theorist. The right way to go about this is yes, use this as a vehicle to turn him babyface or at the very least use this as a vehicle to team up kevin owens and Sami yes, Zayn, and have God, them be yeah. the ones to dethrone the the usos and the yes. bloodline that would be great as well yeah that's mm -hmm. something that i can't believe has not happened yet is as them as the tag team champions and something that i've actually talked with sammy about and he says look it has to happen one day so hopefully it will happen one day dutch i did want to get your reaction um to the Somewhat surprising and out of the blue move, WWE for the better part of a year has been hyping up money in the bank at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, a 60,000 plus seat arena. And then all of a sudden this week they go, hey, yeah, so actually uh, we're going to move it over to the MGM Grand Arena, uh, about 16, 17,000 seats. Uh, we're going to refund y'all's money and we're going to have to resell tickets again um, as as what was uh michael cole said they moved it to the intimate confines of the mgm grand arena tonight that's the spin uh on this one uh what, 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 what what's your reaction to well anybody's reaction well they didn't they're not even gonna come close to settling it out so you might as well go to a, how many does a, the arena see Twenty thousand, maybe i believe it's seventeen thousand. yeah okay. seventeen well, they're not going to fill fill sixty thousand seats in Vegas, whenever that is. So he said, "Well, sure that we can fill seventeen. If nothing else, we could paper it. At least we get it full." Well, and that's how so, much they had sold as of May second, I believe it was, was about seventeen thousand seats. Now the MGM Grand fills sixteen thousand eight hundred, 
Uh, so probably take a couple of those out for, you know, stage setup and things like that. Well, so after the people watched a few Smackdowns, they may have been asking for refunds before the show was even there. They said, yeah. wait a minute, some of the people, we've had a thousand people want their money back. Here's the other thing that was interesting on this. They changed the poster all up for Money in the Bank, right? And now there are reports that the internal talent sheet listed for the event no longer includes Roman Reigns on it. So they moved it out of Allegiant Stadium to the smaller MGM Grand because they want this to be one of their big five pay-per-views. It's still one of your big five pay-per-views, or is it now? Because you're is Roman Reigns not going to... Are we really going to go an entire summer from WrestleMania to SummerSlam and not have one single WWE or Universal title defense? Because that sure seems like that's the route they've decided to take with this. Looks that way. I was thinking thinking tonight, God, please give me Roman Reigns. God, please give me Brock Lesnar. Give me somebody that's got a little bit of power behind them that they can stretch this mess out because it's, it's getting worse. Then they come out with McIntyre and I had kind of forgot him. I just hadn't. And he came out and I said, well, he's, I don't know. I don't know what, what they're thinking. And I don't even think they know what they're thinking. I I think, pretty dang obvious they're kind of lost when it comes to smackdown right now like they don't know what they want to do i mean roman and his storyline's been carrying everything for months and now they don't have anything for roman to do and they're just it's every week that's it's been in their heel like what's what's the main like tonight all of a sudden we switch and it's no longer the usos and rk bro now it's the usos and riddle and shinsuke nakamura like Oh yeah, that was another one I was begging. Please bring bring back uh, Randy Orton. Please let him get over the injury if he's if he's really hurt. Listen, I think when uh, they went out there and you had New Day come out, I think when people saw who the opponent was, I think, well, this is about over. Click, they were gone. I would, that's when I came in here. <laughs> I, I just wrote it off. I said, there's no need to, I mean, it was to watch the rest of it. It was a fun main event um, for what it was. I mean, I, I just hope this is it. Like, next week, do not give me freaking Xavier Woods versus Butch for the 19th time. Don't do it. Tonight was supposed to be it, right? That was supposed to be it. It was over. What, it was, what, was, the fi- what was the finish in that match? Uh, so, Drew McIntyre hit a Claymore on uh, Ridge Holland. He tagged in Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods did the uh, springboard uh, elbow drop and pinned him. That was it. One, two, three, clean as a sheet. It's over. Oh, and then Drew McIntyre danced uh, to close it out because, of course, he freaking did. Of course. He had to. (laughs) It's a a dance party. It's Friday night dance party, everybody. Let's go. We had more dancing than wrestling tonight, especially if you count the Young Bucks, you know, all the Jeff Hardy stuff. (laughs) What's going on tonight? But if if I'm just, if I'm in, let's say I'm a brand new wrestling fan. Uh huh. And I watch Rampage. Then I watch SmackDown. I would say Rampage is going to beat. Uh, tonight, and, yes, it, for sure. Oh, yeah, and they probably got to beat anyway. At least they got people in there you don't know. And now, all of a sudden, if you by you not knowing people, it's suddenly an asset. Because a guy against the Jackson uh, brothers, I didn't know them, but it didn't kill the match. 
I'm watching to see what they're going to do. But if you'd had that on SmackDown, you'd have went, I'm turning this off. And you see, they don't want, this is what I said when WWE first started to not have, like, they didn't want to use enhancement talent. There was nothing wrong with that because now, instead of having enhancement talent, you're beating your regular talent on TV every week or so. So when they go to a live event, people don't care about them. They're actually what they call jobbers. But they're not, I mean, they're doing, a, they're doing the job for all these other guys. But why would you beat your own talent? I, I mean, regularly on the show. It makes no sense at all. Steven with a point here. Rampage, the better show, but SmackDown's going to have the ratings. It's kind of sad that SmackDown is like the most watched wrestling show. It's like available body. in more places because it's on I know. television. It, it, Everything it's else not is not a great TV. showcase. It hasn't been for quite some time. I mean, this no. time last year, it was good. And, you know, what a difference a year makes. Like, it was good compared to what we were getting, Sid. Don't, you know, don't. I mean, I mean, okay, you, can, so the, you can you can drag someone, you can drag a dead body on television. It's better than what we get now on SmackDown. Oh, and I said that's pretty rough. That, that's just, pretty. That's pretty caustic. Now say uh, you're sorry. You should say you're sorry to the SmackDown crew. I'm, I'm sorry. Fault. The hey, SmackDown see, crew. See, they tried their best. Ate, yeah. ate it. Ate it. Minute advance. Don't worry. Don't worry. Next week is the big Hell in a Cell Go Home Show. For all these big SmackDown matches we have on this pay-per-view, I'm sure everything will be great next week. We're not going to get Xavier Woods versus Ridge Holland. We're not going to get Raquel and and Sonya or and uh, Ronda Rousey teaming up against Shotzi and Aaliyah. We're not going to get any of that kind of stuff. Hey, I will say I and I like the Usos versus Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura. That was actually a logical choice to me because they injured, you know, uh, Rick Boogs, who is Shinsuke Nakamura's, uh, you know, partner. They injured Randy Orton, who is Riddle's tag team partner. So just combine them together. It's a logical way to get the Uso. I wish they would have not announced that they're having a championship contenders, contenders match, match on yeah. NA Raw. I wish they would have just announced that that's the tag team title match for Hell in a Cell. Give us another reason to be interested in this premium live event. In, no, they're going to give us the match for free first. Right, they're going to give us the match for free first, and that's going to build up our intrigue. Right, that's going to build up the intrigue for us to watch that match again at Hell in a Cell. That's exactly what that is going to be, guys. We have uh, we have run out of time. We do appreciate everybody who is uh, tuned in here today. We'll try to do better next week. We really got a super. We got a super chat donation. Us, it's not up to us to do better, guys. It's up for them to do better. Right or not? All we can yes. do, all, all we can do is report on what we saw. What is it? Who'd give us five dollars? Uh, hey, Roland where does this Curtis money, where does this money has, go, guys? Not to us. Uh, I never, yeah, I never has, see a dime of. Hey, I'm going on strike. WWE has zero stars. I see Ronda as WWE performer. I don't see Ronda as the female that dominated UFC. Becky Lynch's star is faded. No Roman or Orton. I mean, if you think WWE has zero stars, I, I don't know what to tell you on that one. You're they, they have stars. They're just none of them are booked correctly. Yeah, They're all on the same level. That's why they don't have stars. 
Someone, and that's someone. why they're going to miss Roman. Now, Roman is a huge, huge baby face right now. And the Usos were baby faces. They tried to turn it around in that interview, and they did about halfway, but people loved them. Someone made a good point to me earlier this week. The WWE doesn't remind fans that Ronda Rousey is this big star from UFC that kind of revolutionized women in combat sports. Like, they don't do a good job of reintroducing that ever since she's come back. And if you're not going to do that about what she did in UFC, at least remind us all the stuff she did in her first run. That she came yeah. back and she main evented the first ever all-women show. She was a part of the first ever WrestleMania all-women's main event. They haven't even done that since she's come back. Like, they really just make her one of uh, a cog in the wheel. Yeah, they yeah. just they make just, everyone. She's... she's- she might as well just be everybody else in the women's locker room. And I think some of the mystique got, you know, flew out the window when she got beat at WrestleMania. Because until that point, when she got beat at WrestleMania by Ronda Rousey, she or by uh, by Charlotte Flair, even though it was there was some shenanigans involved, her only loss was fluky. Fluky is all hell in the main event WrestleMania 35. They didn't even take advantage of that. I know it wasn't supposed to happen, but you could have even mentioned that. Ronda could have came back and said, I should have never lost the Raw Women's Championship because I wasn't really pinned at WrestleMania 35. They didn't even do that. I have a question. Yes. It's a fan question. Okay. What if, what if, Tony Khan, I just brought his name up, allegedly, but never booked, he said he booked his kids as a kid. He'd book fictional cards. You know who else did that too? Eddie Gilbert. He he would book those cards, and and that's how he kind of he self taught himself. What if Tony Khan jumped to WWE right now? Do you think the show would be better if he if he could get his way? Yay or nay? Don't think too hard. I, I, I don't I don't think it could get much worse. So yes. <laughs> I mean What do you think? What do you think, Sid? I'll one hundred percent agree. I would say if you just compare this the fact that, you know, with Ronda Rousey, they haven't done a good job to remind everyone why it's a big deal that she's back in WWE in comparison to how AEW, although they can't talk about anything CM Punk did in WWE, they have always made him feel like this big star that has returned to the business. If you just compare those two guys and how they've presented them since coming back into professional wrestling, it's it's night and day. It's a big difference in general. So I just want I just want WWE. I said this on on the other channel that I'm on with Rick. Uh, wait a minute. What channel? The other channel that I on. I believe I remember it, but I can't say it. Um, but on that channel I said that oh, you know. WWE can have a star smack them in the face a hundred times and they wouldn't know what to do with it. They would just be like, why are you smacking me with all these stars in my face? Why are you smacking me with Sasha Banks? Why are you smacking me with Ronda Rousey? Why are you smacking me with Randy Orton? And they wouldn't know what to do with them. Well, let me bring this up. They got a, a, about uh, Sasha and Naomi leaving. What's your position on that, Sid? 
I've stayed in the middle because I do understand WWE's point of view. You, you know, you can't just walk out if you have contract obligations, but at the same time, I always can favor the performers. And if you don't feel like you're being valued or you don't feel like you're being listened to with what you want as a performer, I, I always say, you know, your worth and you know what you're all about. And the way WWE has handled this situation is piss poor at best that's the best thing i could say about it it was piss poor and it's a i know they're trying to make an example out of sasha and naomi but there's been various things that have happened over the last couple of months that they could have made an example about and they didn't so to do it with two african-american women it's a bad optics uh, it's a bad optics in my opinion and i do agree with the chat wwe there's been one star they've been able to still present as a star and it came from aew and that's cody rhodes yeah what do you think mr rick about sasha banks and naomi uh they have every right to do what they did uh, as far as stand up for their creative, but they should have walked out after the show started. I think that's the the general consensus for a lot of people is that they were in the right, but they did a wrong thing. Um, and that's pretty much where I've come down on it. And I fully want uh, expected, and I think it was warranted for WWE to issue some kind of disciplinary action, whether it be a suspension, whether it be a fine, whether it be stripping of the tag team titles. And I think if they would have just stopped right there, I would have been fine with how they handled the situation. But the the smear campaign that has been thrown out for for Sasha Banks and Naomi at this point, um, constantly sitting there saying that they disappointed the fans and this, that and the other. They're trying to control the narrative and paint Sasha and Naomi as 100 percent in the wrong. And they're just not. They're well, just ask, absolutely let me, not. Let me ask, did creative have a clue that Sasha and Naomi were not happy? Yes. So they had a clue. They had a clue, and, and I believe they went uh, the to reports talk, they, say that Sasha and Naomi were told to fix their attitudes whenever they would bring up uh, issues with WWE creative. So they were very, very well aware that they were upset, and they were told to, quote-unquote, fix their attitudes. And they talked to Vince. Yep. Allegedly. Yes. And they thought they had it smoothed over. And it was smoothed over till it wasn't. And then that's when they took their belts and laid them on Laurinaitis' desk or whatever they said, or gave, a, gave them to him. I don't think he has a desk at, at TV tapings. <laughs> well, let me Might ask have a you. a bag laying there. <laughs> let me ask you, uh, uh, Dutch, because this is what's been said out there, is that, you know, they talked to Vince, and Vince was, like, open to their ideas, and then he sent someone else to tell them, oh, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to go with the oh, original yeah, idea. Does, is that's that what... something Vince would do? Oh, yeah. He's not going to go do it. He's not going to argue with them. That's not his job. His job is to get those agents to sabida, like that word, Rick, sabida, sabida the talent, smooth it all over, and then let's go. But when they walked out, I don't know what else. I think everybody put everybody in the worst possible spot they could put them in. I think they put WWE in a bad spot. WWE's putting them in a bad spot. So, I don't know. Would I have done it? No, I wouldn't have done that. I've uh, said it once. I'll say it again. They should have done the match, have Naomi win, and then walk out. That's how yeah. you put them in even a rougher spot. 
because hey, guys, we're going to get yelled at for the amount of time that we've hey, gone over hey, here. But also, real quick. I know you're right, Dutch. I know you're right, Rick, but Dutch and the chat doesn't want us to end yet because we got another super sad donation here, Rick. You can read it. Oh, yeah. That goes to me. He said, hey, Dutch, you need this. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, basically, he's asking oh, if WWE will collapse if Vince McMahon is no longer with the company. If and Hell when. no. Hell no. They won't collapse. They just need a head guy there to make decisions. It don't, it don't mean a decision is not going to kill WWE. If so, they'd have been dead 10 years ago. They're not going to be dead. All right, let's wrap it up. Hey, Sorry, guys, Rick, by the way, real Rick, quick. You talk too much. Real quick. Four minutes and 42 seconds left to go in the fourth. Boston is winning by three now. What did I, what did I say? The Dutch. How much time left? Uh, 4.42. It's 97.94 Celtics. Well, you gave us them with five minutes left, and that's been like 30 minutes ago. Now five we got minutes left in the third. Left. Five minutes left in the third. So they had a whole uh, other fourth quarter to play. Okay. What did yeah, I say? The Dutch touch? Yep. 71.6% chance that Boston wins, according to ESPN. So there we go. Screw them. They don't know. <laughs> They're guessing like we all are. All right, we're way over on time, guys. We got to roll. Appreciate the super chats. Appreciate the comments. Appreciate the banter. Hopefully next week. These Hopper shows... at Rick for the time going over. It's his, it's his idea. He did it. Y'all saw I tried to wrap up at 46 minutes. Talk to you guys next week. See you, bye. See ya.